Hello and welcome to Unhedged, a candid discussion of markets and mechanisms. I'm your host, Frank Troyce, a 25-year-plus veteran of the markets, both bull and bear, and regrettably, I have the hairline and gray hair to prove it. Joining me on the show are an eclectic group of participants, ranging from hedge funds, portfolio managers, insurance companies, brokerages, and even as diverse as winemakers and theologians. All of us asking the same question at the end of the day that we all do when we're watching TV, listening to the radio, or reading a newspaper. Why? Unhedge is a weekly podcast, and on occasion, we may be on as many times as two to three times a week, depending upon the subject matter and current events. You can subscribe to Unhedge through iTunes, and as always, your feedback is appreciated, both good and bad. So let's get started with Unhedged. Today's broadcast is brought to you today by Oracle. Oracle helps customers develop roadmaps, migrate to the cloud, and take advantage of emerging technologies from any point. These include new cloud deployments, on-prem environments, and hybrid implementations. Oracle's approach makes it easy for companies to get started in the cloud and even easier to expand as business grows. For more information, go to sohocap.com unhedged, and we can provide free cloud credits to our listeners. Hello and welcome back to Unhedged. I'm your host, Frank Troyce, and this is our third segment today with Daniel Strauss from Glassbridge, based in New York City, and we're actually finding ourselves talking about all things global. And Daniel, picking up where we, where we left off on the fintech side, the, the again, the, the irony uh, that you and I are in agreement today, probably more so than ever, how, how should institutional investors Again, keeping the company unnamed that we're that we're referring to, um, how do they react to kind of this the the what I'll categorize as Asian, but really the inference is Chinese. You know, the Chinese are almost going back to what we said earlier: permanent capital. They're they're taking a long view of of what it takes to build a real company that's profitable. Whereas the classic American model is, you know, get this thing to a J curve, get enough of the metrics there. To your point, get the valuation where it needs to be, go public. And and yet at the same time, you and I have seen this story before. So to do does Silicon Valley need to start thinking hard about what they're actually building, or is this just the way that it is? And we should just assume that. The company we're referring to is going to go public. They'll they'll have a good IPO. The stock will sell off forty percent, and then eighteen months later, we'll look at a Chinese firm and say, "Oh yeah, that was the real one. That was the real horse in the race." Well, well what they have to do and what they should do are are aren't going to matter uh, if they still have the or for as long as the money that's being thrown at them today continues to be the case, and and doesn't there doesn't seem to be um, much slowing down to that cadence of of capital chasing. Um, what I might even call irrational exuberance um, mm-hmm. and piling money in. That being said, for for quality deals, um, they get oversubscribed and it's impossible to get capacity and the large VC firms uh, eat them up. And what you've seen is um, going back quite a while now, they'll start way early on and writing very, very small checks and getting into companies uh, just to maintain their, their seat at the table. Um, that being said, as uh, investors continue to really put the screws to businesses and look for ways to deploy capital, large institutions, large pension funds, large endowments, 
that have in large part moved out of hedge funds and certain managers, um, they're going to demand and, and they might as well take a longer term view, which really is necessary to build some of these businesses. So while I believe that there will be, as I mentioned earlier, thinning of the herd and there will be uh, quite a bit of uh, Chinese innovation and in many respects, in most respects, fintech and otherwise, they're way ahead of where we are here in the States. The reality is that there will be some businesses that survive that are really good businesses and others that uh, have had great names, great runs, great valuations uh, will be forgotten pretty quickly. And Daniel, if, if, if you don't mind, I, I will not mention the firm. I want to be sensitive to the fact that I, I didn't ask you this before we got on, on uh, the recording today. But what's interesting about that, you, you and again, I'll defer to you if, if, whether or not you can disclose uh, the firm. There, there's another entity that, that you, you are a partner with. Um, and are in a position where you can see deal flow. The entity has a very strong brand name uh, that that all of our listeners would know. But what's interesting is is to your point on the investment side. Now it's becoming not a matter of just capital. Now now it's becoming a matter of like in the old days, Silicon Valley used to be, hey, here's our money. We've got a Rolodex, you know, and we can facilitate other institutional in- introductions. But some of the things that, that, that you're now seeing and, and in your role as a partner with, with, the, with this, um, this other fund and firm, where you're actually able to move the needle for the company, you're actually able to say, hey, we will give you X dollars. But in addition to that, we can actually help you pretty substantially in terms of some of the consumer metrics that you need to hit. That's absolutely right. It, it really is like in what I call and I, what I refer to as an operating partner on steroids. Uh, and in those deals, and these are deals, again, that really capital is secondary. It's the ability to, to help these businesses. And, and I give these companies a lot of credit for, for seeking out uh, help in areas that they know aren't their core competencies, uh, whether that be marketing, productization, how to reach their audience, uh, social media, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, when you can offer those companies help, uh, the capital really is secondary. And, and that, A, is a differentiator as we sort of pitch ourselves to companies that we actively seek out that we'd like to invest in. Um, but the flip side is true where there's some comfort and some solace in, in being able to control your own destiny. Um, being at the nexus of a certain ecosystem and being able to help businesses and not just sit idly by as, as they do things, by the way, without even the knowledge um, based to, to, to know whether it's good ideas, bad ideas, right decision, wrong decision, uh, is something that's great for all constituents. It's hel- it helps us when we look to raise capital. It helps us when we look to present ourselves to companies we'd like to invest in. And not that I sleep much at night anyway, but but it helps a little bit. Well, and, and to that point, I, I, this is one of those things that, that uh, again, I know you and I will agree on. It, it, it's very similar to the classic merchant banking model, which, which is the model our firm runs, which is the, 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 the model you're, you're alluding to. And I think the, what's very, very powerful about what you're doing vis-a-vis uh, your venture capital activity is that one, you are going through a professional institutional due diligence process and, and evaluating the merits of the underlying company. But then you're immediately following that by saying, hey, our partners can actually drive the revenue needle for you. And, and, and I think that that's extraordinary. 
you're right. We, we do agree. Uh, and going back to one of the main things, the main topics we talked about earlier <laughs> and, and where alpha is going to be generated going forward and where investor interest is going to go and where I see growth, um, this, this checks all those boxes um, because of the unique value proposition it provides, because of the, the, the simple linear narrative you can create around uh, a repeatable investment process and a genuine value proposition that you provide to the companies you invest in. So opportunities like that, uh, I believe, will still attract significant amounts of capital, uh, as they very well should, because uh, they provide a much-needed service to um, both the investing community uh, and their customers, which really are the companies that we get to invest in and, and, and partner with. Uh, the word partner is more true now um, in terms of time spent uh, than it was just a soundbite that people used to throw around um, so that everyone would feel warm and fuzzy. And and to one thing I I thought was interesting, if I can share with you a, a meeting that that we had this week where uh, I, I, I after the meeting, I concluded that this was really Richard Branson's virgin model on, to, to use your analogy, on amphetamines. The so it's a large uh, global bank, uh, generally regarded worldwide as a bit of a, a sleepy firm. And one of the initiatives that they have is that they they basically have said, "Look, we at the end of the day we are a balance sheet, we're a regulated firm, and we've we've gone through the pain of getting ourselves licensed all over the world. So you know they've got branch offices everywhere, and the idea of a digital bank." when they looked at it, and again, this was astounding coming from this firm because you, you would never in a million years think that they were actually doing this. But what they realized was that they becoming a digital bank under their brand would be okay. So when, when their executive committee looked at it, they just said, you know what, we'll, we'll get growth, maybe 10% year over year growth, typical for financial services in a regulated business. But what they decided to do in parallel was, was actually create a completely new technology stack which allows other brands to, to private label that stack globally. So the, the interesting metaphor that was used in the meeting, and I would appreciate your reaction to this, was they said, yeah, high concept, you know, Justin Bieber could be a bank and he could be a bank in South America, Europe, Asia, Australia, United States, what have you. And, because what he has is a mi millions of followers and millions of potential customers. And, you know, we at the bank will just be the, you know, the Intel inside uh, to that. And, and I'm curious as to your thoughts on that, because in effect, that's almost an extension of exactly what you're doing on the permanent capital side and saying, you know, you've already got the, the capital, you already have brand recognition with your other partners. And now it seems like the financial services industry is realizing that, hey, guys, at the end of the day, you don't want to rebuild this. We have this. Just Absolutely. white label it. Um, and, and while while people have often compared my, my voice to Justin Bieber, I'm not sure if I would uh, feel safe putting my deposits in that bank. Um, th that, that being said, the truth of the matter is um, you think about conventional advertising, and we just had the Super Bowl here in the U.S., and the 30-second spot cost $5 million plus, plus production costs. Um, there's uh, thousands and thousands, if not hundreds of thousands, of social media people with millions and millions of followers. And you think about the user engagement uh, as opposed to people um, pausing and muting the commercials during the Super Bowl. It's an incredibly powerful way um, 
to, to reach customers. And there have become all these cottage industries within it um, as to how, how it can be used, geo-targeting, advertising, et cetera. Uh, and that's one thing that with our partner, we're really able to offer to these businesses. But you, you see that's a double-edged sword. You've seen plenty of faux pas and campaigns go the wrong way, but it is definitely the new frontier today as to how companies communicate. Uh, it's becoming way more mainstream than it used to be. Obviously, millennials are, are a huge uh, audience for, for lots of things, Gen X, Y, Z, uh, and, and whatever letter comes after that. But there's no question that nowadays being able to um, provide that, white label it for any kind of business is something that if people don't pay attention to, they'll be left behind. And, you know, the the tragic irony in this and, you know, in a, we can use this to wrap because uh, and again, this is something that that you and I uh, saw firsthand. And, and while it was happening, we knew it was a train wreck. But uh, but also there's actually some good takeaways in terms of the power of marketing when you go back to what happened with this fire music festival and aspects of that in terms of what they did with marketing, using big brand names, using social media. Uh, obviously it was a disaster and, and all the signs were there that it was a disaster. But the, one of the key takeaways is that, you know, to your point with very efficient capital allocation and the utilization efficiently of technology, you, you can actually drive to a very, very scalable outcome if you chose to. There's no question. I mean, at least we got a couple of good documentaries out of that one. <laughs> That's true. That's true. That well, I know Daniel. Oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, no, no. Uh, uh, th that being said, there's as capital continues to hopefully get allocated more efficiently. And had there been somebody like you doing due diligence, uh, maybe the uh, festival wouldn't have gone on or, or we'd all be hanging out in Singapore, which wouldn't have been a bad thing. Um, but we, we see it in every meeting we go to. Uh, and, and it's about time that investors are demanding more um, from the people they give their money to, as they should. Well, on that note, Mr. Strauss, again, a pleasure as always to have you and, and to get your thoughts. And um, thank you for joining us today. Thanks very much for having me. And again, for our listeners, that was Daniel Strauss from Glassbridge. We will have the podcast up not only on Apple iTunes, but we'll have it up on our website and also in our community group that we're building up on Slack where you can reach Daniel. Daniel, I'm going to commit you to 24-7 access. And if you have any questions, comments, uh, research you want to share with Daniel, feel free to post it. And uh, Daniel, you have a wonderful weekend and um, best to you and your family. And for our listeners, have a wonderful weekend as well. Daniel, thank you again. Thanks, Frank.